Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association of North America's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association of North America or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome everyone. I'm Dr. Clay Nully with TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio. Today I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Alex Weber. Dr. Weber is an assistant professor at the USC Keck School of Medicine in Los Angeles. He was the author on a paper entitled, Are Orthopedic Surgeons Performing Fewer Arthroscopic Partial Meniscectomies in Patients Greater Than 50 Years Old? A National Database Study. Dr. Weber, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So this is definitely kind of a hot topic. Certainly, it's been a hot topic for a few years now, not just in the orthopedic world, but even kind of the general medicine world, especially since I think the I think it was 2013 or so that the article came out in the New England Journal of Medicine that said sham surgery was just as good as arthroscopic surgery for, for meniscal tears. And so now this has kind of been uh, in the literature now for a few years. So can you just kind of give us the details of how this study was set up and then the main conclusions for people listening? Sure, of course. Um, Thanks for mentioning that. That was really the impetus for doing the study was um, we felt like there may be some misinformation out there based on some studies that were really designed uh, with the results already in mind. And by that, I mean, uh, there were studies uh, uh, set up to almost show that uh, arthroscopic partial meniscectomy is uh, no better than sham surgery. Um, And those studies were really flawed in how they were designed the methodology used, uh, the high crossover rates, et cetera, uh, and the orthopedic community was somewhat set back uh, by those studies, and uh, some in our field have, have done great work to try to reverse some of the detrimental effects of those studies. Uh, but really, we just wanted to look, rather than make any uh, uh, conclusions or comments on our own per se, we really just wanted to look at what the orthopedic community was doing in response to some of those studies. Uh, so we used a large uh, database, the Humana database, between 2007 and uh, 2015. And we just looked at the number of arthroscopic partial meniscectomies being performed during that period. Uh, we looked at uh, geographic or regional uh, variants uh, between the Northeast, South, Midwest, and West. And what we found is that uh, between uh, 2007 and 2010, the number of arthroscopic partial meniscectomies performed was increasing. However, following uh, 2010, uh, the rates uh, significantly decreased uh, every year thereafter. Uh, We found uh, that there was no statistical uh, significant uh, difference uh, by age broken down into uh, year intervals. And we found that there was some uh, geographic variability regionally and that uh, the Northeast was performing the least uh, throughout uh, that uh, entire uh, time frame. And really, uh, the conclusions or what we uh, pulled away from this study was that um, in those patients over 50 years of age, uh, the number of arthroscopic partial meniscectomies increased until 2010, but then uh, subsequently has decreased, uh, and that uh, there may be some geographic or regional variability uh, to how many uh, of these surgeries uh, orthopedic surgeons are performing. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad, you know, you and your group are doing studies like this. And you mentioned uh, some of the inconsistencies in uh, a couple of the studies that were put out there a few years ago, which is, I think everybody's pretty well widely accepted now. So it's nice to see some of these other studies kind of being done and just evaluating the responses in general. So a number of interesting findings I found with your study in particular. So one was that there was a a less surgery and and less arthroscopic uh, meniscectomies being performed in non 
fellowship trained surgeons versus fellowship trained. I think the number was 32 versus 7%, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what do you think? Do you think that there's a specific reason for that or just kind of an interesting finding? I think more so uh, of an interesting finding. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think we, uh, we put a lot of stock in, into that, but it is an interesting finding. Yeah, and then another one. I think uh, I think it was about thirty five percent of the patients in the study were greater than age seventy, and so I think uh, generally speaking, uh, maybe a lot of people would potentially treat a, a seventy year old patient. You know, that comes into the office with an MRI finding or certain MRI findings different than a fifty year old patient. And so, do you think that uh, has influenced the uh, the findings at all, or do you think that changes the way kind of people manage patients based on age? Yeah, uh, that's a great point too. You know, for us, for me in particular, you know, I trained in the Midwest uh, where a 70-year-old uh, was very different than a 70-year-old out here in L.A. You know, now, uh, being in L.A., it's really an opportunity to see that uh, a physiologic age does not always correlate with chronologic age. And we'll see 70-year-olds who have pristine joint spaces, surf every morning, do yoga, or work out every afternoon. Um, so I do think that um, more important than chronologic age is always physiologic age. And um, I thought it was nice to see that in this study too, uh, at least a reminder that we shouldn't always just use age cutoffs or uh, chronologic age as, it, as a uh, predictor of outcome or as a, um, a way of indicating patients for or against surgery. Yeah, that's a really terrific point. I think you know, I think our arthroplasty colleagues uh, talk about that a lot with us. You know, I have arthroplasty colleagues that say that they've done joint replacements on 90-year-olds, but then they have patients that are 50 years old that they would never do it, you know, an arthroplasty on. And and for those reasons, exactly. the physiologic age versus the chronologic age, as you pointed out, and I think that applies to all of our patients, certainly not just, you know, an arthroplasty, but certainly an arthroscopy for certain conditions as well. So did the results of this study surprise you at all? Or are they pretty much what you guys thought be the results when you started out looking at this database? You know, I think I think it was pretty much what what we expected uh, to see. You know, the the things that were interesting to me is I do think that some of the media attention has changed the behavior of orthopedic surgeons. I think it's also probably changed the behavior of insurance companies, uh, making it more difficult uh, to perform some of these surgeries when they are truly indicated. I know that's certainly true uh, for us in in California with certain companies now sending out secondary surveys that the patients have to fill out and sign in order to get an arthroscopic partial meniscectomy approved. Um, so I do think that uh, there, there have been changes and, and this database study shows where uh, some of those changes probably came from in terms of uh, those, uh, those mainstream media New England Journal uh, studies uh, that have altered uh, our ability to uh, to practice yeah absolutely so have you have you personally or you and your co-authors have you guys changed your approach towards arthroscopic partial meniscectomies in the last five to ten years and if so how yeah I don't think so um, you know I really um, I trained with Brian Cole who wrote the editorial for this uh, article right. and I think uh, he really summarized some things uh, really nicely in that editorial uh, and that, you know, this, uh, you can't treat every meniscus tear the same. And obviously those that are, those that are acute in nature 
are different than those that are chronic in nature. And really the behavior of the uh, symptoms, uh, mechanical symptoms, et cetera, uh, should, should help the surgeon in terms of how he or she practices or indicates patients for surgery. Additionally, um, in those patients that do have a, a degenerative type tear, when the non-surgical options uh, have all been exhausted, uh, activity modification, physical therapy, injections of multiple types, um, and the patients understand their diagnosis, meaning the surgeon has done a nice job explaining the mechanical uh, symptoms, uh, issues, overload if there is in the compartment, um, brace wear, other options, alternative surgical solutions, and there's uh, still a desire by the care team and the uh, uh, patient to go forward, those uh, patients should be indicated for an arthroscopic partial meniscectomy. I think in those cases, the surgeon has uh, done their due diligence and, and, and those patients, and knowing that it may not relieve all of their symptoms, uh, but it, it's a, certainly a treatment option having exhausted all of the non-surgical ones. Absolutely. Those are, those are terrific points. Uh, I think, you know, I think sometimes when some of these bigger studies come out, we have a tendency to to have sometimes knee jerk reactions and say something has to be black and white and seldom as anything in medicine, particularly when we're treating patients black and white, there's always a spectrum and always a gradation and always a variety of different approaches. And every patient is, is different. So those are terrific, terrific points. Um, so in terms of the, the patient though, that does maybe have, you know, strictly a degenerative tear or the patient, you know, that's, that's older with a degenerative tear and comes in with a varus knee or, and, and you know, and, and they have an MRI from, from outside and they've been told you have a tear, you need surgery. Uh, but it's pretty obvious that it's just a degenerative meniscus tear and a degenerative knee. How do you, how do you approach that patient? Cause we all get those patients probably almost on a daily basis. And sometimes it's a longer conversation than others. So how do you approach that patient and kind of how do you counsel them and, and what road do you go down with them? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we all like those patients who come in with MRI-proven ACL tears or instability, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, when you have these patients, it, it's sometimes the ones that you spend the longest with. You know, I think you have to lay out all the options. And uh, we talk about, you know, especially in, in L.A. where you see some of these patients who have uh, worn out the medial compartment because they're just super aggressive athletes and want to continue to be aggressive athletes, we, we talk about unloader braces, we talk about injections, you know, quad strengthening, um, we talk about uh, anti-inflammatory use pre and post activity, you know, we talk about osteotomies, uh, if that's the case, or if they're interested, you know, and, and I, I honestly, I tell a lot of my patients that, you know, a worn out meniscus or a worn out shock absorber is better than no shock absorber. So, if, if you, we don't truly think that you're getting mechanical symptoms from your meniscus tear, then we, we try to leave the meniscus alone because having something there to protect the, the cartilage is better than not having that thing there. So it, it's really when you have exhausted those other options and in some of these patients, it's almost more of a uh, arthroscopic clean out for the knee than it is, you know, that, that this is going to be the, the last uh, treatment option available to them. 
Yeah, those are great points as well. My my clinic staff sometimes calls those patients and then also tend to be the teenage female with anterior patellofemoral pain. They call them the clinic stoppers because they know that it's going to take 15 or 20 minutes of explanation. Exactly. Um, go, exactly. go through all the options and explain what actually everything means. So my clinic staff sees those patients on the schedule and knows that something that it's going to be a clinic stopper. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that's a great, you know, it means you're doing the right thing. You're, you're talking to those patients. Those are not the easy ones, so you're obviously doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's not always easy, but it's the right thing to do usually. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, your shot, your thoughts with us today, Dr. Weber. Uh, Dr. Weber's article, Are Orthopedic Surgeons Performing Fewer Arthroscopic Partial Meniscectomies in Patients Greater Than 50 Years Old? A National Database Study can be found in the April 2019 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Alex, thank you very much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. That concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Please join us next time.